Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Airfare, healthy snacks on the go. Airfare curates and delivers healthy snacks to flight crew, travelers, and aviation businesses. They've sourced more than 50 snacks from small businesses across North America. Hundreds of pilots love these snacks because they are healthy, unique, and have a long shelf life. And they're perfect for keeping you feeling great in the flight deck. Our listeners can get 50% off their first order of customizable snacks using our discount code Pilots Podcast at checkout. So go visit airfarepouch.com to check out all the snack options and learn more. Again, that's airfarepouch.com to use our code Pilots Podcast for 50% off your first order of truly healthy snacks. Avinola is a small batch gourmet granola that's made with grain and gluten-free ingredients. It's made from ancient lupini beans, which are filled with fiber and tons of plant protein. It's less than one gram of sugar and only 95 calories per serving. It's a zero guilt snack that checks all the boxes and loads of fiber to keep you feeling full. So Emma, what's your favorite part of Avinola? Well, obviously, y'all already know I love the chocolate, but the coconut almond vanilla is also very, very good. Um, Besides just eating it straight out of the bag because it's that delicious, I love to make like a Greek yogurt bowl, bunch of avinola, honey, berries, macadamia nuts, maybe some pecans. I don't know, whatever my little heart is feeling. But that is my favorite way to enjoy avinola. And I especially love this company and this brand because A, it's a small business and B, it is women owned and created. We absolutely love Maggie. And if you haven't already, go back and listen to her episode. But you guys can use discount code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off your order of avinola. So code pilots pandemic hey guys before we get into this week's episode i'm going to give you guys a little bit of a safety advisory this is a trigger warning some of the language or content used in this week's episode may be found as disturbing or harmful to one's self aka triggering Be advised and please proceed with caution. Hey y'all, welcome back to this week's episode of the Pilots Pandemic Podcast. You're here with your host, Emma, and our lovely co-host, Maddie. What's up, y'all? And this week we have some juicy, I mean, uh, I shouldn't say juicy, that's a little bit inappropriate, but I don't know, just some hot goss, some, Mm -hmm. and now we know kind of some, you know, sadder aviation news, but for us is always kind of a juicy story and we are very excited to break it to you in the most sensitive way possible. I feel like I'm just making it worse by like emphasizing the fact that I'm trying to be sensitive, but also I'm very excited to talk about this. Um, We love a, a good speculative like you know like talking about speculative stories so 
I think it'll be fun to talk about at least because we don't know all the details just yet. Yeah. And it's also super on brand for us. So anything that's on brand, you know, we're going to talk about. And a bunch of y'all have already been in our DMs asking us about this. So for you, those of you who have already DM'd us, this episode is for you. Um, also, just shout out, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending us DMs. We always love to hear from you guys. I also just want to give a shout out to Lady Aviators before we get into this week's episode for um, just having me as one of their Lady Aviators of the day. I do really appreciate it. Um, and all the new people who have jumped over, welcome to the pod. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, <clears throat> Before we get into this week's episode, I do kind of want to do our little like this past weekend segment because this past weekend Maddie came to visit me all the way in South Carolina. <laughs> Did I already miss you? I'm so sad. I'm having like withdrawals from you. I know, dead ass. I have like separation anxiety. No cap. <laughs> Oh, wait, I shouldn't say that. I don't have anxiety. I have no forms of mental illness. Excuse me. I take that back. Um, but no, for real, it, we would be unstoppable. It's it's a good thing we live on opposite sides of the country, because if we lived close together, we would get in so much fucking trouble. It's not even funny. Maddie's definitely like the the wolf and I am definitely her little sheep, her little black sheep, obviously, um, because I tend to be like, I don't know. I definitely love just going with your flow. Yeah, like I love, well, it's so easy like to get you on my level though. I know, for <laughs> real. Just, just, you know, we'll just one up each other. I feel like our energy level starts like rising like slowly and then we're like peak energy and no one can stop us when we're no, there. No, it's, it's bad. It's like truly... Um, like a a form of some kind of disease like the minute either one of us laughs it's like you know it's game over because we're just about to start ah, 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 ah. it sounds like a bunch of fucking baboons like witches <laughs> just like hyenas cackling in the distance in the night god yeah it's the best we have the best time I was like, at one point we rented um line bikes, y'all, and we fully just were like doing circles around my boyfriend, ringing the bells on them and dying laughing. It looked out of like a scene out of like a 90s horror film. Like it was low-key giving the shining. Uh, oh my God. I, okay, so I already forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just crying because I totally remember I was like Emma you started it you started dinging I was like fuck yeah let's ding these balls I was like oh my god and they're loud because they're on both sides of the handlebars so like you can't give me something that's gonna make noise because I turn into a complete child I'm like like oh my god I my my lovely lovely boyfriend I I honestly so proud of the patience that he exuded this weekend but he did get really upset over the chips and cheese i thought about chips and oh. cheese all day maddie chips and cheese <laughs> Zach, what a special man he's so great I, he took care of us and yeah the chips and cheese we went to taco bell and we were hungry taco bell always hits when you're hungry and, and drunk <laughs> 
and Zach, he didn't realize that chips and cheese was on the menu. I think he was like, bitch, I'm not ordering chips and cheese. That's not on the menu. No, he like <laughs> fully heard you asking. You asked probably five times for some fucking chips and cheese. And my man goes in like the woman's like, all right, will that complete your order? And Zach's is that Maddie goes chips and cheese. And Zach goes, yup, that's all. And I'm like, no, I literally yelled at the lady across Zach. I'm like, we need chips and cheese. And Zach was like, what the fuck is chips and cheese? <laughs> he was not having it. He's like, Maddie, shut the fuck up. I'm not ordering your chips and cheese. Thank you, Emma, for saving the day because I don't know if I would have been happy if I wouldn't have gotten my chips and cheese. Well, that's okay. So that's one of my biggest things is like, if I'm going to subject myself to fast food, like, I want what I want. You know what I mean? If I want my chips and cheese, I'm going to get my chips and fucking cheese. Like, I'm Yo, here. I want it now. That's exactly how I feel. Like, you know, the times when the chili, not the chili cheese fries, but the nacho cheese fries are in and you like go and you make an event out of it because they're never there. And then when they don't have them, oh, sorry, we're all out of that. I literally have like a coronary meltdown in the car when they don't have them. Oh yeah, it's that's a vibe fucking killer. Like I'll never forget the day that um McDonald's took away the crispy chicken snack wrap and I pulled through that drive-thru and was like, <clears throat> I would like two crispy chicken snack wraps. And the girl goes, We don't do those anymore. Um, bro, I don't <laughs> know like, if you've you seen what? the <laughs> You what? Literally, you what say that again. <laughs> no i'm about to come through the speaker right now have you ever seen someone vaporize and and travel through a wire because that's what i'm about to fucking do okay yeah. give me my crispy chicken snack wrap now <laughs> with ranch please and thank you sometimes i'll just i've literally seen people doing this on tiktok and i think it's so funny just asking for it even though you know they don't have it I saw somebody literally try and bribe the McDonald's worker. Like, how much money do I have to give you to put a chicken tender on a tortilla with some lettuce and cheese and ranch? Like, how much do I have to pay? <laughs> they never do it. Oh, they never do it. Like, you could probably, I don't know. You know what? I'm about to go and offer a ridiculous amount of money just to see if they'll do it. Just to see if they'll I say yes. I'm not going to pay. You know what I mean? I'm going to be like, aha, psych. <laughs> you got to get somebody who's like not a rule follower to do that. Oh my God. That's our perfect segue <laughs> into the bar. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. I need you to tell this. I need you to tell what, what happened with my little Mr. Rule follower, Miss Blind, Deaf, and Mute um, at the bar. Oh, when I asked for a drink and I didn't get one? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we go to uh, Emma's boyfriend's work party, and you got to have a wristband on. And I don't have one because I didn't even realize I was supposed to have one in the beginning. But uh, so Emma says, oh, she's going to get one, just um, but she just hasn't gotten around to it. And um, well, when I'm ordering, they were like in the... the middle of passing them out. Keep in mind, and yeah. like I just got yeah. mine. My boyfriend I has his. And... I, was... <laughs> I was like, "Oh, we were supposed to have wristbands." Okay, exactly. What well, is and like we're ordering, and I'm standing next to Maddie, and I have my wristband out. The the only people that are allowed in this section of the bar are the people who are with the work party. 
So already yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so bartender wants me to have this wristband. Otherwise you got to pay for a drink. And Emma said I was going to get one, but he was not having it. I said, you know, you could just give me one and I'll come back and show you my wristband later. Like, he's like, no, I got to follow the rules. I'm like, who's enforcing the rules? He's like, I just got to follow the rules. So no one was enforcing the rules. He was just feeling like he had to follow them for un, I don't know why. So Emma bought me my drink and we were not happy about it. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. I made it my fucking mission to politely destroy that man's night like he kept coming up to the table to have to serve us and at this point maddie does have a wristband and i'm like so the first time he comes up i'm like oh hey look and i'm like so you want to refund me for those drinks and he he just literally turns and walks away i'm like oh so you're fucking deaf now (laughs) oh my god he was really not he was he was being a little dick. I'm sorry, but he was literally being a little dick because he knew he fucked up. I'm sorry, but the only people that were at that bar, it was a private bar. So I'm like, already, you know, you fucked up. Then he comes to the table again. <laughs> and this time I'm like, he starts picking up our drinks and I'm like, thank you. Oh, thank, God, you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Said thank, thank you. Thank like you. And I said, times. No, and he's like walking away and I'm yelling, thank you. He never said your word either. Oh, no, he didn't. But I go on to my big statements the next freaking day and there it is, the reversal. I'm like, whoever worked that out, thank you. Which means that he, somebody had to have talked to him or something because I don't know who got me my money back, but someone did or he did the reversal right there. Um, or he, but yeah, he's so annoyed by us. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna give him their fucking twenty dollars back. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm paying twenty dollars for one drink, I want my goddamn money back. And when it's supposed to be a free drink event, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah. Mm. It made me. It made me really mad. It like honestly brought the worst out of me. Like, there's nothing that like brings it out of me more than like. And that's the second time when I've been in one of these events that the bartender has had the audacity to like have such a freaking attitude right like last time i'm ordering my drink i'm completely on my own and there was a person behind me who was acting kind of a fool and when and they were with our party not my party but this whole like party of people and i barely know this guy like i just met him and the bartender's like yo you need to get him under control i'm not serving him anymore if you can't get him under control y'all are both getting kicked out of here and i'm like whoa Hey, buddy. I just met this man like 10 minutes ago. I've been like, I don't even know his fucking first name. Like, are you serious right now? And then when I copped an attitude with him, he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, my bad. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's why you don't assume. Like, asking all these Christians, assuming. Like, (laughs) geez, maybe you should ask a question. You should have literally asked me, hey, is he with you? And I would have been like, no. <laughs> you should have been blank. like, I don't know Ben, okay? So thanks for assuming that. Ugh, gosh. Anyway, so we'll move on to, I'm just going to ask Maddie, like, what was your favorite part oh, of God. the whole weekend? I don't, like, oh, God, there's so many, like, good times that we had. So I'm going to say meeting all the animals, Moosey, oh. and Jack. Andre that that was part of it 
Um, and then pool time was pretty clutch. I will say I don't have a pool here. So like getting in the pool all day long, hanging out was a lot of fun for me. And hmm, I really love going out to Sullivan's Island, the beach and just hanging out on the beach all day. That was awesome too. So those are like, yeah. great. And the line bikes, dude, that was a great time. <laughs> The line bikes were honestly probably the most pure, wholesome fun I have had in years. Like, I have not had that much fun in a very long time. It was like five minutes of just pure, unencumbered joy. Like, oh, it like made you feel like a kid again. No, it really did. Maddie was like, I cannot believe they charged me $8 for this. I was like, bitch, I'd pay $20. i will pay 20 for five minutes just from the serotonin this gave me. <laughs> And I'm such a petty pincher. I'm like, I don't understand why this costs so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we should could probably we talk. About- yeah, we should probably get into it. I'm like, we could probably talk about that for a very long time, but we could, I mean, like that just needs to have it be its own dedicated episode. So we're not going to do that. Um, maybe next time what we'll do is like, when you come visit me, I thought about it and I was like, dude, we should have been recording on our phones the entire time. Oh, we would have had some, some things to say. Oh yeah. We would definitely have to be going through it. You know what I mean? Not everything would be able to make the cut. (laughs) It, would it be Emma and Maddie uncensored, but we're always uncensored, so it'd be even even more uncensored. Yeah, I don't know if the people would um appreciate. appreciate. <laughs> yeah, jinx. <laughs> um. Okay, so I guess we'll get into it because yeah, that was such a good time, and I miss you already. Miss you oh, too, babes. <laughs> okay, so this week we're gonna talk about the Charles Hugh Crook pilot who jumped out of his plane with no parachute um kind of waited a little bit to talk about it just because we wanted to see if there was more to uncover and luckily today they came out with the ntsb preliminary report we were actually supposed to record this yesterday and we had like some technical difficulties so it actually worked out in our favor so we're going to cover some of the news articles that came out prior to the ntsb preliminary report and then we'll go through the full report because we have like so many speculative like ideas of what might have happened and then i think the ntsb report doesn't really cover everything fully either so you, there's still questions and we won't really know obviously until the full report comes out so um i'm going to read just an article excerpt from the wcnc charlotte they say co-pilot jumped from the plane before emergency landing at raleigh airport faa says two faa employees at rdu told 911 dispatchers that the surviving pilot reported his co-pilot jumped before an emergency landing the body of charles hugh crooks 23 was found the evening of july 29th in fuquay verena backyard hours after the plane landed at rdu Crooks was one of two pilots on the Casa 212-200 airplane. So that's kind of the beginning of it. Yeah, I I basically, I'm surprised I didn't hear about this the day of. I ended up finding out about it on the 30th, which happened to be my birthday. And I was like, God damn. Immediately, 
obviously I texted Maddie. I was like, yo, have you fucking seen this? Um, and I think we both immediately probably had like our own opinions, but we'll get into that. So there's a lot of speculation, kind of like what I was saying, because there's a huge question around why did Crooks jump out of the plane, knowing that he didn't have a parachute. So he's essentially just, I don't want to say it, but y'all can kind of put two and two together. It's like to jump out of an airplane with no parachute is a little bold. So Mm -hmm. flying mag article on Crook's fatal fall states in ATC live recordings um, of the conversation between the aircraft uh, aircraft and air traffic controllers, a pilot on board the C-212 using the call sound. Oh my God. I cannot fucking speak. Call sign shady two is heard declaring an emergency stating quote, we have lost our right wheel. We'd like to proceed to Raleigh and make a landing at Raleigh end quote. So in the recording, ATC confirms that Raleigh-Durham is the desired airport and advises Shady 2 to resume its own navigation to Raleigh-Durham some 82 nautical miles away, which I was reading these show notes and this is still the part that like, I, it confuses me so bad, like all the distances and everything, yeah. like mm-hmm. nobody can seem to like have the same like distance or where they were to where they were flying it i just i'm like that's like that's confusing to me the elevation that he jumped out of is like what altitude were they at when he jumped to i know it doesn't actually matter because it's like if he didn't have a parachute you know you can't really jump anywhere at any altitude you're most likely going to die but it just would give us some more backstory i guess and that would be nice A little bit more clarity because I'm like we're gonna get into this more but I just want y'all to remember that they declared an emergency 78 nautical miles away because the more we get into this it just like some of this just doesn't really add up I don't know if it's just a flaw in like all the reporting but I don't want y'all to immediately be like oh y'all are speculating and like not even doing a good job at it we're literally just reading from what the articles are telling us but yeah I know how nerdy y'all AV geeks can be that they're always <laughs> adding, subtracting and multiplying in their head. But okay. So this statement goes on to say this quote from flying Meg goes on to say ATC asked for the information about the home base of the aircraft, how many people were on board and the amount of fuel, the pilot's transmission indicates that there were two people on board and they had enough fuel for approximately four hours of flying end quote. So okay. on to you setting the stage um okay so they lost a piece of their landing gear now we know it was like the uh tail wheel i thought um but it seems like when they when we're linking like this emergency i thought it would be like a bigger emergency of why someone would get like freaked out enough to jump out of a plane you know like I can see if your engines are on fire and you can't see anywhere that you're going to land and you feel like this is going to be the end. So you want to jump out. But with just like having a landing gear issue, that's kind of to me like a low level emergency, um, which shouldn't cause a person to freak out enough to be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to jump. So I don't know, like, 
what do you think he was thinking or like what triggered him do you think he was like triggered by the in-flight emergency i mean that i obviously that had to have triggered him but it to the extent of how triggered he was that's what i don't really understand that's why i think there's a lot of like some underlying issues going on because i'm like dude a landing gear failure that is i mean think of like okay engine failure engine fire like there's so many different emergencies that you can have especially in a smaller plane like that that are so much more i mean any emergency is serious obviously but ground your your landing gear that's just i don't know we've all everyone who is in aviation we've all seen the video and i want to like i wish i knew her name because she's honestly goat the girl who on her first freaking solo she takes off and immediately her landing gear one of her wheels like one of her main gear comes off and um she's doing her solo for the first freaking time you can i mean you can hear the fear in this poor girl's voice but how you can like feel it but it's like she worked through it you know what i mean and that is what you do that is what you're trained to do you're work you're trained to work through these situations and anyone who's been through flight school even if you're just a private pilot think about how many times you've done emergency training emergency fake emergency landing like you do so much of that practice even in the building blocks of your training so i'm just I don't know, you know, he, I feel like anyone at that point would should know even better than I would that this is something that you need to just remain calm and get to where you need to go. And the only thing that you need to be thinking about is just sticking it on that gear that's remaining. You know what I mean? Straight level, calm flight. Boom. So I just, I don't feel like that's enough to, I, I can't like look at that and be like, oh yeah, that's enough to just take your own life and jump out the back of an airplane that's what I have a really hard time piecing together I just typically think most people in emergencies like want to live and their sole purpose is like saving their life so that's why I'm like what was his headspace to be like I'm jumping out the back knowing like he was he had like how many do you remember his hours i feel like because he was a cfi at one time and he's working for this skydiving outfit so i'm thinking i want to say he was either right under a thousand or over a thousand as would be my my guess so i feel like he's not new it's not something that's hyper scary to you know have a landing gear issue obviously it's an adrenaline rush but at the same time nothing to be like dude i'm jumping out the back of the plane well it's what you just said i think you made a great point saying you know most of the time in an emergency situation like this the end goal is to survive doing what he did there's only you you know there's really only one outcome you know what i mean whereas if you would have stayed and tried to like complete you know the mission or land the plane you know what i mean successfully work through the emergency you might have you know, you, there's a good chance you would have survived a way. The odds of you surviving that are a hundred percent more than the odds of you just jumping out with no parachute. But I mean, obviously it's extremely tragic either way. I mean, 
for anyone to get to this point is just sad. You know what I mean? I feel really, really bad for the PIC. I feel extremely bad for just the public, the people that unfortunately had to like be the ones on the scene of this. Um, yeah. That like, I don't know. That would be so traumatizing to, to witness that. So, yeah. Yeah. So definitely my heart, you know, my heart and sympathy goes out to literally everyone involved, his parents, his family. Um, it's just, it's a really sad thing to happen. That's why I was like, I was shook up when I read that on my birthday. I was like, damn, okay, <laughs> shit. Um, Cause you just, and anytime somebody dies, it's like, it doesn't, it, it, regardless of how it happens, when anyone in the aviation space passes, especially when it's like this, it's just, it is really, really sad. And I feel like it's close to home for you, too, because you did, like, all your training at RDU as well. Oh, yeah. This is, like, I mean, this airspace that they were flying all over, that's why I'm, like, dude, this isn't adding up. Um, Which, I mean, obviously has nothing to do with the outcome, but that's why I'm, like, I get so triggered at reading these articles. I'm, like, y'all don't know what you're fucking talking about. (laughs) Like, (laughs) y'all, like come on pull up a freaking map i can google google earth this shit right now with the satellite on and tell you that ain't correct um but yeah i mean it does hit close to home because i'm pretty sure what i read was he is a north carolina native i believe and did most of his flight training in that area which again is like where i've literally built all of my hours the only other hours that i have are like around the outer banks area but yeah so this definitely hit close to home and i thought about it and i was like damn this is for sure somebody that i could have crossed paths with you know what i mean he was a cfi so i don't know where he was teaching but definitely somebody that myself my friends you know, probably did at one point cross paths with. So it, it is a little bit more, it resonates a little bit harder when it is that close to home. But anyway, so Flying Mag article goes on to say, quote, at this time, authorities say they are baffled as to how and why Crooks departed the aircraft. According to a local television station, the pilot told authorities that the co-pilot jumped from the air- airplane before landing, aiming for a lake as they flew over. In a prepared statement, the FAA noted their focus is on the emergency landing made by the twin-engine CASA CN-212. Abocar, which landed in the grass between runways 23 left and 23 right at RDU International Airport, Raleigh-Durham International Airport, end quote. So the statement noted that, actually, no, this isn't the end of the quotes. Keep on going. The statement noted that the National Transportation Safety Board will oversee an investigation and will provide an additional, additional updates. The FAA added, quote, neither agency... Neither agency identifies people involved in the in aircraft accidents, end quote. I don't really understand that quote. I feel like they said that because if anyone jumps out of a plane, um, they're not technically part of the accident because the NTSB oversees aircraft accidents. And since he jumped out before the accident on the ground occurred, he there I think they're saying that like to cover their asses to say like we're not in charge of identifying what crooks did or why he did it because he wasn't in the aircraft when it crashed and that's our scope. Mm. I think yeah. that's what 
oh god they're they're gross for that i'm sorry but they're like gross for that it's like we don't want our hands like in this sticky shit you know what i mean like we don't want to touch this as soon as i read that i was like oh i i see this is some bureaucratic bullshit So, yeah, I mean, we're still waiting to hear from the pilot who was involved, the PIC, who was the one that did land the plane safely. Um, It reported that he had some minor injuries, but I'm really curious if he is going to ever step forward or do an interview about this or talk about it publicly, because I think you and I both were like, yo, why the fuck hasn't he said anything? Yeah, I don't, it's like, he's going to be in the spotlight. Like, he knows that, like, this is blown up all over the news. And I can understand why he wants to remain, or she, we don't know if it's a girl or a boy, right? So they may want to. I think it's a boy. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, we know where they work. So honestly, you could look up the the manifest of the employees that work there. But like, I'm not going to dive into that because... I don't need to know who it is. Like, if they want to remain anonymous, obviously, I'm going to leave them out of it. But, like, it would be really interesting to see if they would come forward with their story and kind of give us some more information. But I'm sure they're so traumatized that they just need, you know, a beat to kind of regroup themselves from what they saw. Yeah, I don't I think I have a that's a good point. I mean, literally, the man's probably I feel bad for him. I I, I think I thought about that a lot in the beginning because when I first saw this, I actually saw it on TikTok. Like I woke up the morning of my birthday and I was scrolling through TikTok and that's how I saw it. And it was like immediately people were just coming up. Like the general public is just coming up with these fucking crazy outlandish schemes. Like, oh, they were moving drugs and he was throwing the drugs out the back of the plane and like fell Girl, out. Like- I remember you telling me that I was like, there's no fucking way. I just sat one of them was that the the pilot pushed him. And that's why I was like, bro, if they take that shit and run with it, I really hope he has a great team behind him because that is just I mean, to like defame someone like that is like wild. But I mean, that's just that's social media. That's the public. I mean, that's part of what I don't feel like we defame people, but part of what we do is speculate. Um, but just seeing people speculate to that degree was really, really wild for me. Well, it was, and it's sad too, because think about that pilot who saw that happen. And then he's probably looking at the articles and like, bro, like, reading those types of things about you and nobody knows who you are and they're saying these defamatory things it's like you push somebody out of a plane when you know you didn't like oh that would be so tough to read it's just like reading on your social media when someone dogs you and you have no idea who you are who who you are or they are so then you're like pissed and they've ruined your day and you don't even know who these people are um Oh yeah. Oh god, I didn't even think about oh that's that's a great way to put it into perspective. Cause dude, that shit happens to you once on social media. It could be like some random ass person. They say the mo the, the slightest shit about you. I had a girl call me vain the other day and it and it literally I was like <sighs> I literally would I was like making coffee and then I think about it, <sighs> I'd be like <sighs> gritting my teeth, <laughs> growl and bark. Damn it, it's- you little sag bitch. 
but seriously that shit does mess with you mentally you're like what the fuck so yeah i can only imagine what he was thinking um but i wanted to kind of move on to what his dad said um or at least what he was quoted as saying so according to charles father hugh crooks the 23 year old was a flight instructor for over a year and had also received a flying certificate I can't imagine what happened, the dad said, so we'll figure it out, I suppose. The family is still awaiting a final word from investigators regarding what led to the final moment. And then um, his dad went on to say, we're a strong family and we're a very loving family, but this, it leaves a hole. I don't know. We can't process it right now. Charles was pursuing his pilot license while he was in college. I think he got that when he was a sophomore. He said, couple of weeks ago he wouldn't trade places with anybody in the world he loved where he was charles father while talking about his son said he was known as a flying fanatic by his loved ones so i'm hoping as like the reports like come out that they'll get the closure that they deserve but as we know oftentimes the ntsb uh will typically just say pilot error um and Obviously, we know now with the preliminary report that Crooks was the one who broke the the wheel. Um, and we're going to read into that because we are going to read the full NTSB report that just came out today. And this is just the preliminary. So it doesn't give us a ton of details, but we kind of get to dive more into a timeline of what happened. So I'll read uh, the first part of the report. Um, just because, like Emma said, there was lots of speculations about you know, them being drug mules or the pilot pushing him. And we know that none of that was true. So we need to read the report. So on July 29th, 2022, about 1404 Eastern Daylight Time, a Casa 2-12200 tail number N497CA was substantially damaged when it was involved in an accident near Rayford, North Carolina. The pilot in command was not injured and the second in command sustained fatal injuries during the sub subsequent diversion to the Raleigh-Durham International Airport in Durham, North Carolina. The airplane was operated as a Title 14 code of Federal Regulations Part 91 skydiving flight. Um, so I think that's important to note that that was a skydiving flight because we know Crooks had jumped out of the plane without a parachute. And I feel like he, as a pilot, is more of like knowledgeable about skydiving and knowing the elevation that he could jump jump at without a parachute which is not really any elevation at all um so that kind of helps you know his mindset like he knew the fatality of what he was going to be doing or the finality i guess of what he was going to be doing by jumping out the back of the plane um so yeah I don't know I I'm scoffing y'all because it's just it's hard for me to like conceptualize this like I don't know it honestly it makes me I'm like I'm mad in one sense where I'm like it's like it makes you mad I mean every single time someone dies regardless of how it is it makes you mad you're just like damn why did this have to happen but for it to be in these circumstances, it's like, holy crap, like, damn, like, <laughs> is this another, is this another suicide? And I feel like we do need to say that and just get that out now, because if that's what this is, which it's looking like it was, because we're going to get there, but um, that in itself just makes me so mad because I'm like, this is the fourth pilot suicide we've had in less than a year 
and mm. it's like everyone just wants to fucking turn the blind eye it, like it's in particularly the faa and i will say it, people still want to turn the blind eye like i see y'all out here like laughing at fucking memes and then the minute somebody puts a petition or a template letter to endorse and write congress they're like oh <laughs> like i see y'all out here i see you i'm gonna call you out i'll call you out on your bullshit i understand everyone's afraid but i mean really i like how many more people are gonna have to die for us to justify it to you and that's yeah. my little madness for <laughs> that's my little madness that's what i'm gonna call it when i pop off <laughs> that's the fucking lion coming out it is though it just it makes me like that's why i say it just it makes me mad i'm like i the fa still just wants to like bullshit post all the fucking time everyone the ntsb and that's why like it makes me mad it's like all this like oh we just don't even want to touch it with a 10-foot pole keep our hands out of it this is too messy for us and we're getting closer and closer like if you think about it the way this is working out over time there's like a track like there's a track record here and like we're getting closer and closer and closer to people doing more and more I, I don't know what the word for it is just like this bold behavior that in my opinion screams to me that obviously someone's avoiding something you know what I mean yeah and I don't know it's like I re oh God, this is fucked up to say, and I probably shouldn't say it, but it's like, I feel like for the FAA at this point, it's literally going to take a German wing situation in the United States for them to, for, for Congress to be like, oh yeah, maybe we should like look at this a little bit more. Maybe we should like hold a magnifying glass up to this and think about what everyone's been screaming at the top of their lungs about not every single post that the FAA makes, but almost every single one has at least 50 comments, if not more. Most of the time when it's like a blowing up post, it's like 200, sometimes 500 comments about people screaming for the same thing. And I'm like, dude, it's just, it's wild to me. I'm like, how in the fuck do y'all operate like this? I don't think it's like too bold to say like that that, like a German wing situation has to happen in the United States because honestly, that's what we've been saying. We're like, something like that may happen, but that also just overstigmatizes mental health yeah. and aviation. Everybody thinks, oh, if we let a pilot fly with a mental health struggle like anxiety or depression, that's what they're going to do. And that's just not accurate. You know, that's a one in a million circumstance. And but at the same time, we know that the only reason the FAA changes policy or does anything different is because it's been written in blood. And that just when you were saying that, that just reminded me of the fatigue rules and why there is fatigue rules because of Colgan Air and them crashing in, I believe it was Buffalo, New York. And, you know, that family, all the families of those people who died on that Colgan Air flight have been just hammering away at the FAA and the Transportation Infrastructure Board to change those things. And so this year they actually just implemented one of the 
um, rules. It's like a leadership rule for pilots. They just enacted it and it it went into effect in 2009 when the crash happened. Um, so that's a picture of how long it fucking takes for the FAA to do anything. Um, because like the Colgan Air crash happened in 2009 and they're finally getting something to happen. It's a, like a leadership thing for captains and co-pilots to, and I don't know exactly what it entails. Um, my husband was just talking about because they had to do it in recurrent training. Um, but it yes. took so long for them to enact that law. And yeah. um, I don't know. Like, that's the thing with mental health, too. I'm like, so if we get something passed, is it going to take them 10 plus years to enact it? You know, that's the part of things. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. Holy shit. But yeah, I mean, what you said about German wings, it's like it's such a double edged sword that that one for me, I think that's why we probably haven't talked about it on the podcast, because it's like. In one sense it opens up the door to have a whole new conversation about what could be the safety risks. But just like you said, it stigmatizes mental health in such a, I don't know, alarming light. I almost feel like that's why we are still so set back. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I wonder if that is why that stigma is so strong and why nothing has changed is because that is at the end of the day, the public perception of what happens if you let someone or anyone with any kind of mental distress or mental disorder or mental issue be a captain or be a pilot. He wasn't even the captain. I think he was the first officer, but it just, I don't know. It's public perception all the time, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, Everyone needs to, you know, have, I feel like that's, what's great about what we can do is kind of step out of that and see that third person point of view and understand that it's a double-edged sword, but you gotta, you're only making the problem worse. It's like, I literally said, I'm like, y'all are pushing people so far away from getting help, but yet you think that's like, oh my God. But then going and telling themselves anyways, like, and that's the hard part. It's like, well, you know, yeah, we are not allowing pilots go and just fly with any mental health disparity or struggle, but they're just hiding it anyways. So it's not like we're really stopping it. So you'd exactly. rather have a better and have an open conversation and have a, a safe conversation instead of them just hiding it. You think mm. that's better to be open and transparent than be like, no, just lie. Or just like get fucking help and like feel better <laughs> like yeah. like dude it's like I, you talk to regular people about this kind of stuff and by regular people i just mean the public and they're just like what the fuck you know what i mean like when you really step out of yourself and think about it from a non-aviation perspective and point of view it is really truly so baffling like the fact that everything is set up to push you as far away from seeking help or seeking treatment as possible like you you claim you want healthy you claim you want the best of the best you claim you want these literally golden fucking eggs golden gooses in the cockpit but yet your your policies your standards and it's like we always say your policies your standards push everyone so far away from that it's like the fuck anyways <laughs> it's hard though i was 
a conversation with my seatmate, who's also from Mount Pleasant, um, on my way back to Seattle after I was seeing you in Charleston. And uh, he trying to explain to him that the pilots up front can't get mental health care uh, without feeling like their medical will be pulled or just explaining like just the trepidation of pilots getting any medical help was so far removed from his normal life that he couldn't understand it. He literally was like, well, what about the airline? What about the airline? I'm like, the airline doesn't do shit. The airline has nothing to do with the pilot's license or medical. But for him, it was just, he could not understand it. And that is the problem is that because there's just so much going on with the pilot's medical and their license, that's the people don't understand you have to have your license and your medical to fly they don't get that at all and trying to explain that to him is very difficult too i don't know why it's so hard because we because it's uncanny valley it is literally like the the metaphorical version like of uncanny valley it's like when you look at a picture that looks real but you could tell it's not real you know what i mean it gives you that slight uneasiness your brain like just really can't wrap its head around it it's literally like uncanny valley they it you can't wrap your head around it as a regular fucking person because it is honestly so fucking warped that you're like it's like going so far to the right that now you're left you know what i mean yeah it's just like not in their wheelhouse to even think about it and so and that's the hard part is like if the public doesn't understand and the FAA kind of does everything because of public perception, then pilots are never going to get like mental health care because the public just is like, well, it's like they've been shaken and their brains just can't think. It's um, like that so that video, that video, <laughs> just do your job. <laughs> just go to work. Oh, <laughs> he said. <laughs> He goes, he goes, I'm a reporter. You're a pilot. <laughs> Please, I don't care. Please go back to work. <laughs> Emma, you got to post like, that to the tour. I, I do. Though. Oh my God. I it, was do. it was a great uh, representation of the general public and how what they think about pilots. Like they just want to get from point A to point B, even if the plane doesn't work. No, you can literally, it's like, especially Gen Z, we're like, so warped and fucking dysfunctional from everything that it's like, we literally, the the engine could be on fire and you'd still be bumping grimes. Bro, you guys would all sit in the cargo hold knowing there's no oxygen and you'd be like, I don't know as long as I get there. No, just honestly, that you, all you would have to say is, bro, it might potentially give you it. an an erotic asphyxiation almost euphoric like experience and gen z is in (laughs) say less you'll get hypoxia but (laughs) oh my god okay 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 so basically back to the ntsb report it you know I always feel so fucked. I'm, I'm like, oh, here we are, like, giggling and laughing like a bunch of kookaburras, and then we have to talk about this. But it's just, you know, honestly, when things are so tragic, it's like, you think about comedians, and then you look at comedians and, like, how fucked up their life is, and it's like, 
th that's how they get so funny. You know what I mean? But it's they're like, so funny. Yeah, because the human brain, I really don't think like really it's it's honestly really hard for the human brain to like conceptualize or or process these kind of things. And I think that's why people do laugh. I mean, I laughed at my fucking father's funeral, which it was there was okay, I have to tell this story. <laughs> and I was like, Emma. <laughs> it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. I just realized I said that and it sounded really fucked up. So I gotta explain. All right. So there's this one hymn. All right. And it's basically like something about fly, fly away or something like, you know, but the hymn was supposed to be like, fly, fly, you know, like, like, oh, with like sad violins and like, you know, doves flying off into the air, like this really somber moment. Well, my aunt fucked up and she somehow got a hold of the bluegrass version of this hymn. Okay, I'm talking like banjos, harmonicas, you know what I mean? Like that type of beat. Um, and yeah, so it was, I mean, it, I mean, honestly, like you could really do a comedy skit about this shit. It was it, our, the pastor or whoever the fuck it was, right? The little religious man, he pulls out like a boombox stereo from the 2000s, right? It's got them big speakers. It kind of looks like the head of an the head of like just a black house fly you know what i mean like yeah really big weird like gray speakers and then it's like the click open at the top and you put the cd in my aunt literally burned the wrong freaking song onto this cd so she pops it in everyone's fucking sobbing i mean my family they're like screaming dramatically like fist to dirt in our hands and <laughs> they hit play and i mean oh my fucking god the thing that made it so funny was my dad loved this kind of music it was almost like it happened on purpose because my dad would have loved it you know what i mean he would have been like fuck yeah if i'm gonna go out to a song this is what how i want it to be this is the version i would like but me my mom my brother and sister all knowing this i mean like just caused us to literally i was dying laughing in tears because it was one of those moments you're like truly humilitized at that point you've been through it all you know what I mean not been through it all yeah. you're just starting this long ass journey right of grief yeah. and sadness and then for that to be such a, it was such a sad moment but that made me smile and I was like oh shit that was definitely my dad I feel like it happened on for a reason but it did it made us laugh so we were laughing and everyone else was like, why the fuck are they laughing? But I mean, how could you not laugh? It was so, it, I mean, it was like, they recorded this shit in West Virginia, like, <laughs> or in the bayou. Like, it was so twangy. I was, oh my gosh. It was funny. I'm sorry. I laughed. We and laughed. your dad, jokester. So it's like, like you said, like, it was him, like, putting a little of his spirit into the funeral. Yeah, for real. Because I mean, the real ones know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The real ones know that he would have loved that shit. So anyways, all right, let's just get, we have to steer back to the point. I'm so terrible, but you know what? Content, content, content. We we're <laughs> making up for our lack of episode last week, which by the way, sorry guys, I literally just did not want to put out an episode. Um, well, it, it was wasn't because ready. I was coming over like the day before we were supposed to record and we, me and Emma were just like way too excited to see each other. We're like, dude, we'll just record later when we're not going to be together. 
Yeah, it it was like a yeah a failure of planning. Um, one might say, but we literally get too excited when we're with each other. It's like I can't freaking work. Like, <laughs> and this is why we have to be separated. It, literally, that's what I'm saying. In the beginning of the episode, what did I say? I was like, we would get in so much trouble. Like, there would be no podcast if we lived close to each other because we just fuck off all the time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, shit, I really lost my place. You're in, okay, so do you want I me to I found it? it. I got okay. it, I got it. Okay, so, all right. Okay, so the report reads, wait, I'm trying to make sure this is actually the right spot. Yeah, it is, the pilot in command. All right, so is it, the report ends with, we're not there yet all the way, right? Uh, no, okay. No. The pilot in command reported that they flew two skydiving runs and then descended to the Rayford West oh, Airport. Oh, okay, yeah. Rayford West Airport to pick up a third group of skydivers. The second in command was flying the approach in the NR-20 and was on heading altitude and airspeed until the airplane descended below the trees and dropped. Both pilots called for a go-around maneuver, which the second in command initiated. However, before the second in, in command could arrest the airplane's sink rate and initial initiate the climb, um, the main right landing gear impacted the runway surface. Damn. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, I didn't read this part this morning. Ooh. Yeah. So this was, so Crooks was second in command and he's the one that impacted the runway. That is not a good look yeah sorry that's not a good look okay i mean shit happens you know what i mean don't don't listen to me saying that and be like you do the same thing and then like completely like just fly off the fucking handle it's not a big deal we live and we fucking learn you know sometimes you just slammer sometimes we butter but this was a (laughs) slammer all right so yeah, the PIC consumed, so the pilot in command assumed the flight controls upon the airplane reaching 400 feet AGL and then flew a low approach in the RR 20 to have the airfield verify or airfield personalize. Okay, basically to fly over the airfield and like look down and see if they they could like see the damage to the to the aircraft. So yeah. I don't know. You so you heard my thoughts that I, I mean, yeah. Woo, woo, woo. I mean, okay. So like that does give a lot more context because I feel like at this point he's probably kind of already like, I don't know. I like feel feeling like the, down. The thoughts are go racing through his head when this happens. Like it's an, it's a low level emergency. Um, but I don't really think he is thinking about, um, like the landing gear or like landing i think he's thinking about oh my god i hit the landing gear i damaged it what are the repercussions because you know like checklist that's how pilots think so they always think what's what's happening next 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 and i think he had a lot of thoughts racing through his head because initially i had no idea that it was him who who broke the landing gear i just thought it was you know just like that just happened to the plane um maybe maintenance didn't do their job um sorry maintenance uh but i was just thinking like it was a freak accident and their landing gear was off 
I did not know they did a touch and go basically and broke it. So anyways no i mean it sounds like he was about to fucking crash the plane that's like what this says is like he was like on heading altitude okay flying strain level like controlled descent to landing and then the airplane descended below the trees and then just dropped which means if you descend below the trees and just drop like did he stall out like he lost this implies that he lost a lot of fucking airspeed for him to not be able to like because they declared a touch and go, right? Oh, so yeah. if you're declaring or not, they didn't even declare a touch and go. They, they did declared a, a go around. Yeah, takeoff go around uh, maneuver. So they, that's the thing. I don't understand what the, when they, the verbiage of the airplane descended below the tree line and quote unquote dropped. That's in quotes. So I'm like, what does dropped mean dropped to me implies stalled like the only reason you drop on your landing is you're either purposefully like slipping the plane or you just you stalled the fuck out i mean and that's that is oftentimes when you stall is when you're you know approach to landing is it you've got you're flying low slow and heavy and then you've got you've gotta really control your fucking throttle you it's all and that's why like having a engine out on approach is so fucking dangerous because all your airspeed is in your throttle it's not really like if if you want more altitude actually no yeah so that's the thing if you want more altitude you need more you need more airspeed right you need more throttle and air and altitude's everything airspeed's everything you don't want to stall so I don't know. I'm just when I read that, I'm like, oh, he he stalled because it seems like they're like touching when they touch the runway. The yeah. way that they write that is like that was an accident. And so when I read that in combination with dropped, I'm thinking, oh, he stalled it out on fucking approach or either he realized he wasn't going to make it felt too low and slow. Like he was going to drop it basically. And then put in full throttle and then just still didn't have enough airspeed and lift and continued to stall and hit the ground or like, you know, tap the ground, but they had to have hit the ground with a lot of fucking force to, to pop that landing gear off. Yeah. And it's just like, there's not enough, um, from this report i feel like they could have done a better job like they should have let us know more um because it's like what were they saying at that time since they were about to hit the runway uh were they approaching the runway to land and they don't say that okay so it says both pilots called for a go around maneuver which when you say go around that doesn't mean touch and go that means you're you've you're already in the air you're at you know 400 600 500 feet whatever it is and you're immediately throwing in full power you're regaining your airspeed and altitude and then you're slowly lifting your flaps and you're going around you don't even at that point you're not even thinking about fucking landing on the runway so then then when they say they called for a go around, which the SIC, so second in command, initiated. However, before the SIC could arrest the airplane's sink rate and initiate a climb, the right landing gear impacted the runway surface. So they must have been coming down bad, like, like, That's- you know what I mean? I don't know. 
Yeah, that actually, that makes more sense. Okay, so I'm going to read the other part because we got more to talk about. Um, the personal personnel subsequently called the pilot in command to let him know that they recovered the fractured right main landing gear on the runway. The pilot in command directed the second in command to declare an emergency and request a diversion to RDU for landing. Um, and just remember, guys, that Crooks is the second in command. And then while en route to RDU, the crew coordinated with air traffic control operations and their customer and planned their approach and landing at RDU with the second in command responsible for communicating with air tra traffic control while the pilot in command flew the airplane. So Crooks was on the comms. Okay. I don't know why I'm having like a serious trouble with my iPhone right now. It does not want to hold position for me. Like, okay. It won't keep your spot no it won't keep me in my spot and i'm like hey can you like not do that anyways okay so yeah report goes on to say the pic reported that there was mo moderate turbulence during the flight and that about 20 minutes after the diversion to rdu after conducting the approach and emergency briefings the sic became visibly upset about the hard landing end quote so I don't know. So you had wrote some notes and I think these are fun to kind of go over because it's like, you know, the possibilities. So did he get sick when he looked out the side door when he was looking down to see what was below him? I want to think that. But at this point, I'm like, you have dealt with so many weird like I like I think about my instrument rating and that will like disorient you a lot and could make you super nauseous. So I feel like he's passed. Like, I don't feel like that's enough to make him, like, I don't know. It could. Like, you could, on top of, like, already having a lot of stress and anxiety from everything that just happened, like, just be, like, oh, I'm about to barf. But in that well, case, I'm like, they should have had barf bags. So, this one, just to give you guys context, is the um, pilot in command, which I'll read the next quote after this. But he did say that the second in command, which is Crooks, opened his side cockpit window and may have gotten sick, quote unquote. So that's why I was like, did he open the door and actually get sick? Or did the pilot in command just see him open the door and thought that's why he was opening do the door? But really, he was opening the door to see what was below him. That's mm. my guess. You know? So, uh, see, this is where I get confused. I'm like, are they talking about like the back door, like that he jumped out of? No. Oh, no, no, no. That was so that quote was just about the front door. Um, okay. So, like him looking out, is that the like, yeah. Do they so mean window? Side cockpit window is what he okay. said. And okay. Got sick. So, may have gotten sick i think he was focused because he's the one flying um and they're obviously declared emergency uh so he's really focused on controls and everything and i think in his peripheral he sees crooks open the window and look out and he thinks okay. oh he must he must be sick not thinking oh he's surveilling the ground to know if he's gonna land on anything or where he's gonna land you know oh oh okay 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 mm, i got you yeah i don't know so other one was was he having an anxiety attack yeah probably i think anyone would in that situation um th i mean that sucks like again to my point like it that's a really 
sticky little situation sucks ass to be in but you you gotta like you gotta survive that's why i'm like i'm like y'all need to take like don't take notes from this you know what i mean do with the stuff that i'm saying but don't with how this turns out okay anyways maddie read on (laughs) okay so yeah there's just like a lot of questions because like what was his headspace after this emergency like that's my thing like what was he thinking about um so the review of preliminary air traffic control radio communication information from the federal aviation administration indicated that the sic had been communicating with air traffic control up to that point in the flight in his final transmission the SIC crooks acknowledged a course heading from air traffic control. And then the pilot in command described that about this time, second in command opened his side cockpit window and may have gotten sick. The pilot in command took over radio communications and then crooks lowered the ramp in the back of the airplane, indicating that felt like he was going to be sick and needed air. And the pilot in command stated that Crooks then got up from his seat, removed his headset, apologized, and then departed the airplane via the aft ramp door. So, Emma and I really focus on, like, the one thing that he did before he jumped was that he said he apologized. And I don't know if he was just like, I'm sorry, or if he had a long apology because they don't go into how he apologized. But they do say that he, he apologized so what was he apologizing for? Was he apologizing for fucking up the landing gear? Was he apologizing for like knowing what his next steps were going to be? We don't know. So, yeah. so the report ends with the PIC stated that there was a bar that one could grab about six feet above the ramp. However, he did not witness the second in command crooks grab the bar before exiting the airplane. Um, which to me, I feel like if, I don't know, I have some bold, bold opinions. I just feel like, honestly, it's not even that bold. I just feel like if you've been doing this and you're like literally just drop going, because when you do skydivers, like you're doing it all day long, you basically fly up, you, oh my God, I'm actually just realizing, holy fuck. I know exactly where this happened. I know who. (gasps) Are you having an epiphany? Having a fucking epiphany right now. Do you know this person? No, I don't know them, but I know exactly the operation that they were flying for. Um, Because it's actually, this is actually like a, like here in North Carolina, they're like one of the, I, like Rayford is like one of the best places to go to skydive um, because the people who instruct are a lot of them are, because Fort Bragg is right there. It's really close to Fayetteville. And a lot of the people, the ex-jumpers from the military, they go and do skydiving over there and do instruction, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just, Yeah. So I, d- just to keep this in context, like I know so many people who have gone and jumped um, in Rayford. Like it's a very, very popular spot to go. Everyone in North Carolina pretty much will go there. Um, if you want to get like a really good like instructor, somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. Okay. Anyways, that just freaked me the fuck out. Mm. <sighs> 
dude, but that's what I'm saying. So if you've done this before, you're literally just going up. You go straight up, you drop them. And I mean, not straight up, but you drop them and then you do a controlled like spiral descent down to the ground and land and then pick up your next load, depending on what the day is that day. So depending on how long he's been doing this, and I think he's been doing this for a while, it seems like you would know better, like to if you're going to walk to the back and your intentions are just to get air because you feel sick, I feel like A, you would either put on a parachute or something, you know what I mean? Or B, you hang on to the bar, which maybe he did. And maybe the pilot in command didn't witness. But I don't know. That just strikes me as super, super odd. Like, why can't he just get air out of his side window? You know? Well, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, I, I'm I'm giving him the benefit. I'm, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt. Because I'm like, you know, I hate to just point the finger and be like, this was suicide. Because I don't want to like... I don't know. I don't want to take anything that happens like this that might be coincidental and just run with it just because but I don't like, want. <sighs> I'm just thinking it's an emergency. You're going to get up and leave your pilot in command and be like, I'm sick. And you're going to go and open the the back to Fuck get no. air. I, I would never no. do that. <laughs> and and it, I'm going back to his dad's words. Like he's a great pilot. This is what he wanted to do. I just, I don't. I can't go with him being like just an innocent getting air in the back. Me like, either. That's how it is. It's. Um, it, I mean, it's like, it's kind of hard for anyone to kind of have this discussion because it's like he either committed suicide or he was being really, really stupid in the moment. And forgive me if that sounds insensitive, but I mean, really, what are the other two options? Because if you've been flying for this long, you know how fucking dumb that is. Unless you have another motive, which in that case would be suicide. And that's what I honestly think happened here. And if that is what happened, forgive me for saying what I'm saying. But it's just like you you have to put it into perspective because I don't think that people were really. I, I, I don't I, sometimes I don't think that people put two and two together like how we do. I think we've covered a lot of our bases and tried to give him the benefit of every single doubt. But. But like just knowing how Dude, he did has my been AirPods alive. just die. Hang on. Oh my working God. Your AirPods. What the oh. hell just happened? Hold on, Maddie. <laughs> I don't know if you're talking and you can hear me, but my AirPods I think just died. <laughs> I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Emma. Maddie. I can, can hear you. Me? I can hear you. Oh my God. What the. Okay. <laughs> I can hear you. Um, <laughs> why can I not hear you? Okay. Hang on. Just stay hang tight audio 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 Hmm. okay i can hear you oh thank god (laughs) mark your timer 
so you remember where to go. Eight or one. Okay. Anyways. All right. Okay. We'll just steer back to the point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> back to like the rest of the report because you haven't even gotten to when he jumps out yet. Oh my God. Okay. Jesus. I don't even know if I'll edit that out because this is coming out tonight. Y'all, we're literally <laughs> recording this at, it's eight o'clock here on a Wednesday night and we're recording this and I have to get this out by midnight. Okay. So the PIC then, okay, wait, I just have to make sure I'm on the right freaking section because holy crap. Okay. You are, as we right. start, we start talking about him grabbing the bar before exiting so yes okay so yeah pic then turned the airplane to the right to search for the second in command in a radio transmission to air traffic control about one and a half minutes after the second in command's radio acknowledgments of the course heading the pic notified air traffic control that his co-pilot had departed the aircraft without a parachute so yeah i um it's just like what the okay it literally says that not even a minute and a half after he just acknowledged air traffic control he just stood up and like peaced out peaced out like i feel like that's just like at that point you i don't know it i really it's just it's honestly so bizarre. It's it's like it this is out there. I mean, this honestly I feel like is going to go down as one of those like forever infamous stories within aviation <laughs> because all of this is just so freaking wild to me. Um but yeah, so PIC proceeded on course to RDU where he performed a low approach and then an emergency landing. Upon, a la upon landing, the aircraft departed to the right side of the runway and became and became to and came to a rest upright in the grass. So dude, okay, but this is like a true testament of like why I'm like, all right, there had to have been some kind of motive here because you can say panic, but at the same time, man's right here. The pilot in command has now witnessed his SIC take off the landing gear. Probably yeah. thought he was about to get killed on the landing that they tried to do where they ripped off the landing gear. Then mm -hmm. they're like, all right, well, we got no landing gear, but we're just going to try and land it as safely as we can at RDO. Whatever. Then your fucking second in command gets up. And jumps out. jumps out of the fucking airplane. And now you have to complete the mission, fly this aircraft by yourself, nonetheless, to go perform an emergency landing at a busy airspace, which obviously they're holding for you. doesn't matter. It's still like a lot. And then now you're the one that has to talk to everyone and figure out this fucking story. And you are that was like a, a double emergency like this pilot i give him like so many kudos yeah, for being to, yeah like just keep his cool because he even in the air traffic control like recordings when he's on there he's literally like i'm just calling you guys so that you know where the body is and where to look for the body and it's like 
homeboy was on it. Like he just knew that was a smart thing to do. Cause he could have said, yeah, they jumped out of the plane and not circled back, you know, to see or say, or he couldn't have said anything. He could have been so in shock. He could have been mute. That's the other thing. So had a normal human reaction and like every other person who isn't trained to be a pilot probably would have been like oh my fucking god what the fuck like imagine imagine Mm -hmm. that's like that's the equivalent of like chilling on like the empire state building or something and just witnessing some it's literally the same equivalent of driving over a bridge and watching someone jump off Mm-hmm. And and I mean, think about people who witness stuff like that. I mean, we're talking about mental health, suicide, this, that, and the other, but like, think about, and that's the other scary thing is like, is he ever going to go get help for this? You know what I mean? Because I'm like, damn, I'm not saying that he needs help for it. You know, he could be perfectly fine, but holy fuck the trauma. Like, but is one perfectly fine if their, their co-pilot jumps out and kills themselves? I don't think so. I yeah. think- that that causes some psychological stuff that is trauma like through and through so um, i mean any person just witnessing that like like i said it's just like to witness anything like that regardless of how it happens to witness somebody jump to you know what is going to be their death is a extremely horrible terrible thing to witness and yeah anyways I just cannot imagine. Oh my fucking God. But the fact that he kept his cool, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's the, that's what you need to be doing in these situations. When you get into these emergency situations, I like he handled it as well as he could have, as well as I feel like anyone could have. Um, yeah. That's why it's just so hard to, for me to accept that, like the whole panic plot. I'm like, there's no way, dude. Well, the, I only said that because it's like some people do crazy things in emergencies. Like they're, they're not every pilot is equipped for an emergency. I mean, they're equipped in the way that they're trained. But like, just think like your reaction to an emergency could be very different from another pilot's reaction. Not, I feel like some pilots are not going to respond in a calm manner. And that could have happened. I mean, it's not out of the realm of what could have happened. But I also think I wanted to go back to him and like his thoughts because Crooks is the one who fucked up the landing gear. Um, I really do think like a lot of things were going through his mind and he probably was thinking about his medical and his license and thinking about it getting revoked and if he could um, get his license again or what would happen if the FAA found out something or he may have been hiding medicine. He was taking medications. He may have already been taking medication um, for anxiety or depression and then you knew, oh, they're going to do a deep dive. There are just so many things that may have been going through his head or may have been happening that we haven't seen. So I will be interested to see the talks report just to kind of rule out any of that. Um, Not saying he was on anything, but at the same time, it's like, what was the motive behind him being like, I'm going to end my life today and jump out of this plane? Yeah. I, I liked what you said. I, we texted about that earlier and I was like, that's a really good point. And I would not have even thought about that, but also, I mean, to, to give you and everyone and just like anyone, the benefit of the doubt, I I don't think we know how we're going to react in really like, 
I don't know, in situations that are turmoil, you know what I mean? Situations that are emergencies, you never know how you're going to act until you're in it. So I do think that that's true just all across the board for pilots, for people, for anyone. Like I can sit here and tell you like, oh, like uh, toughen up buttercup. But would I know unless I was in that situation? No, not really. I would just, I have to trust myself that I would be able to handle it given everything that I've been trained to do. Yeah. I think um, we don't know. Oh, exactly. Like the emergency happens. It's just, it's different from being in the sim and then actually like, you know, or, or just going up and then being like, oh, where are you going to land if this happens? It's very different when you're in it and you have to figure out like, okay, this is the real, the real deal. Um, So yeah, you're right on with that. Yeah. And again, just back to your point, that's why I was like budding. I wasn't budding to but, but I was like, but what you said about, you know, just all the potential circumstances that could be occurring, like in this person's personal life, like we never know what is going on behind the scenes, regardless. I mean, take aviation away. Who knows? You know what I mean? Family is family. Relationships are relationships. Life is life. You know, we we just never know. You never know. Like, this person could have been through a lot in their childhood, in their early teenage years, even in their early adulthood. Who knows? So I think there's definitely, you know, if, you know, and I think at this point, we can kind of conclude or speculate that this was probably suicide. And that being said, you know, for anyone to take their life like this is honestly awful. You know what I mean? I, I hate that it ever would have to come to this. It's just, but like I said, that being said, it's like, we don't know, you know, there's so many things that we don't know. Yeah. So we're still going to be piecing this one together. I think when the final report comes out, which will be, you know, next year, uh, we should come back and, you know, I, I think the information will change, but it will be interesting because like you said, the NTSB and the FAA said, you know, our involvement and our wheel well of what we do, we are focused on the right main landing gear breaking and why that happened and why this plane crashed and it didn't really crash, you know, it just didn't have a great landing. Um, but I don't know if they will even do any report on crooks or not. So, Yeah. I really hope that, I don't know, I hope that his family will, you know, and that's the other thing is like, this did happen in the South. And I think that is really, really important to point out because there is a huge stigma that persists where I am from that is like mental health is not a real thing. You know, I, I want to be sensitive because you never know who's listening to this, but I just, I really, really hope that his family does try to find an answer for this. And I'm not saying just immediately point the finger to suicide, but I hope that they take the time to investigate this on. And and it sucks that it's going to have to be on their own time. You know what I mean? That really Mm -hmm. fucking sucks. And they'll get to it when they need to get to it. And I'm not saying that they have to do it, but it's just, I really hope that they, do kind of dig a little bit more into this because there's a lot, like I said, there's just so much that we don't know. And if this was suicide again, it's just like, 
revalidating everything that we've all been screaming at the top of our lungs about to the FAA. It's like, again, how many more people got to die? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, well, you just mentioned earlier that there's been four pilot suicides in less than 365 days. So we're just going to name those people again, because I think we need to remember that um, if Crooks will be part of this list, if you did commit suicide, but right now, with the preliminary report, that's literally what it points to. So there was Chris Daniel, 29 years old, um, and he's survived by his wife, Tessa. There's Joey Starr, 22 years old. He's survived by his wife, Lydia. Um, and then John Mauser, who we've talked about extensively, 19 years old, survived by his mom and his sister, Emma, and then his dad, Alan, and then Charles Crooks, which we haven't met his family, um, but he's 23 years old. Um, all these people too young to die, died too soon. Like my condolences obviously go out to all the families and honestly, nothing I can say is really going to help or bring them back, but we do hope to make change, um, and in honor of them and, um, all that they've done. So we want to ask our audience like a few things because I think we do hit this home at the very end of the podcast usually, but there's so many ways that you guys can spread change and there's not just one right way to do things. And I'm already said, you know, share the petition, sign the petition, write a letter to your local transportation leader or someone that's in the House of Transportation and Infrastructure Committee um, and direct it to the aviation subcommittee that's super important because the subcommittee the aviation subcommittee is the one who makes the rules and the laws for the faa um, you can also ask your lo local organizations like aopa ngpa um, all of those people that are all about aviation safety and um root on the behalf of the pilot you guys can ask them like what are you doing for mental health and aviation? Why or why aren't you doing something? I know I've emailed these people and I don't really have like any sway because I'm not a pilot. So it's if you do pay dues, you you do have some holding power to say something about this. Um, another way that you can help is by subscribing to our podcast or sharing our podcast with other people or rating and reviewing us because that helps our podcast be seen more um, by aviators and av geeks um, so that they can see what we're talking about. Um, and that will spread the message. And then the last thing I'll say is that you could donate to our podcast if you wanted to, and that would help us grow and also help us attend more aviation events. So those are all ways that you can help um, us spread the message and, you know, really change mental health and aviation for everyone. Yes, ma'am. Preach it, preach it, preach it. Thank you, Maddie, for recapping on all those things. I do just want to touch on before we, you know, go to our fun questions. I want everyone to, you know, just listen to this episode with your third eye open. Um, you know, Maddie and I, I think, especially me in particular, I have a very particular way that I have to talk about this kind of stuff because you've heard me cry 40 million times on this fucking podcast. So we're not going to do that. Um, but 
keeping that in mind, I just want y'all to know that I do have to truly have a third person's point of view. This is something that has affected me in my own home. It's affected my family. So I, I don't want anyone to ever listen to this and take me the wrong way or think, wow, this person's so insensitive. I am truly not. I am extremely sensitive to this subject. It's something that I've dedicated a lot of time to. It's just something that I've dealt with extensively closely. So when I talk about this kind of stuff, forgive me. You know what I mean? I feel like it's like people either want you to be like, it's like this middle ground that people always want you to stay in. And sometimes that can be hard because there really is no middle ground. You know what I mean? I Like it is like, to talk about. We just have to kind of like disassociate from the happenings of and the sadness and everything because we are pushing for change so like these stories they do affect us if we allow them to um and i'm not saying this doesn't affect us in any way but in many ways we do have to like disassociate from the story to talk about it and to speculate and to realize like you know we want to to say what is the reality of things so instead of just tiptoeing around things because that's what the news outlets do they just tiptoe around everything because they don't know any better because the public doesn't know any better and we want to know the actuality of things and what's real and what's not yeah I think it's about being truthful spreading the honest word but also it's like at the end of the day we have to provide a, a show for you guys and it has to be a show worth listening to because unfortunately, if it's not entertaining, nobody is going to listen, which means that nobody hears the message. Um, yeah. And I think that's extremely crucial to keep in mind. So with that, we will head into our fun questions. <laughs> if you could only shave one part of your body for the rest of your life, which would you choose? Holy shit. How would you think about this? I literally was talking about shaving with Jesse yesterday because you know I got so I got Emma some truly shaving body butter um because I love it so much and I was like bitch you have to be the same as me we're matching we're twinning and then um when I got home yesterday I shaved like my whole body and so I was talking to Jesse about it and I was like imagine having to shave every inch of your body he's like well you don't have to and I was like you're right I don't have to I fucking want to I want my shit to feel as smooth as a baby's bottom so then that got me thinking if I couldn't shave like if I could only shave one part of my body which one would it be and that's honestly like one of the most difficult things but I really think it'd be my my punani <laughs> yeah i'm torn between my punani and my legs because i know i'm what like you know, the bush is coming back baby <laughs> bitch did you not see my bathing suit that i wore the other day like just imagine if i had a full-on bush in that <laughs> you would be like i don't well know me you. and my granny panties i don't really think it would make a difference it might and I'm not hating on Bush, honestly, I'm not. But for me, I just don't like body hair. Like it's just I itch all the time if I have hair anywhere, um, and it only gets so long before I'm like I can't take it anymore. All right, and especially well, my truly, I want to shave. So. I'm gonna smart Alec you right now. I'm gonna be a little okay. smart ass, <laughs> and you know what? I'm gonna say that I'm gonna only shave my legs because I can still trim with scissors my pubic hair 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Long to like trim it with scissors, but you can't do that. You can't, not, (laughs) not to your legs, bro. Like I want a close shave on my legs. Okay. Like I can live without a close shave everywhere else like I can trim really far down everything you know what I mean with like a pair of um eyebrow like manicure scissors but your legs is like something you have to hit with a razor you can wax everything off bitch we don't even need to use the scissors but okay. I'm just saying if you so can't shave that thing, case <laughs> it's like I'm like I'm still saving my hair oh. more wishes yeah seriously okay so emma says legs i say vag and on to the next question which is which kardashian is your favorite wait wait i don't think i can like we can't just i don't want that to be like something that people like are gonna that message away that i'm just gonna walk around with like a little bear attached to my fupa like hey you would like a a bear up there I put some fucking googly eyes on it. Okay. Anyways, what would your favorite Kardashian be? Uh, Chloe, obviously. Hello, Chloe. What's Chloe's? What do they call it? Coco. Chloe money. Oh, Chloe money. Egg Coco, right? Aunt Coco. Yeah. Auntie yeah. Coco. Auntie Coco. You know I love Chloe. Um, but uh, let's see here. Who's my favorite? It's so hard. I like who you hate because she's so different from the rest of them. Oh, God. Ugh, I know what you're about to say. Ugh. She's not a Kardashian. Bitch, that's, I like her because she's so different. Um, and also, I'm pretty sure she's a Scorpio, so don't hate. And also, you should have said Kylie because Kylie's a Leo and it would match our vibe that we already Kylie have. Kylie and Kendall are not Kardashians. They are royalty. They do not have Kardashian blood. So if I have to pick between uh, Kim, Courtney, and Chloe, and Chris, Chris is like part Kardashian because she married. Okay, yeah, I actually take it all back. Chris, I fucking Chris Chris. is your one. Chris is also a Scorpio, so I can get down with that. But she's too savage for me. Um. So, oh God, this is so hard. I'm just going to say Chloe then because you made me pick a Kardashian. Yeah, you have to. I mean, it can't be a Jenner. It's just like, it. that's a whole other, you know, because I'm an OG Kardashian fan. So, like, I've been watching when those two were, like, babies. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I watched when the sisters were, like, adults and the Jenners were babies. So, like, when I think of the Kardashians, I think of the original three okay okay i love chloe too i mean she's the bomb i and she's a virgo dude that's why we drive like we love virgos so oh my god that's that is why we love her oh my god we both have virgo men that's so funny <laughs> okay chloe, our boyfriend too <laughs> okay so what is your love language uh mine is time spending time quality, quality time. time yeah but all, i have two because i love gifts and presents really good to know yeah 
not that yeah. I can afford you, but <laughs> yes, you can. Sesamo kayaks, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I don't, you know, I took a um I took a test and mine was physical touch. And sometimes I think that's not true, but then again, I do think it's true because I am such a little freaking love bug. I could curl up inside somebody's belly button in a heartbeat if a genie oh, I, me. Is this why you're not mad at me for always beating your ass? Because I'm touching you. Yeah, low key. Like it's like this, like it, part of it is like very like it, it triggers a trauma response in me. Cause it's kind of like, you know, going back to my childhood, but, and that's honestly really where it comes down to like these deep rooted childhood things. It's like, damn, like I really hate getting spanked, but at the same time spank my ass. You know what I mean? You act like you care. <laughs> tell You have to tell everybody the, the mark I left. Oh yeah. I have a full on bruise on my arm that is in the shape of Maddie's. It's like a bite mark. Like I, there's like her teeth. Like you could, it's like an x-ray for, like from a dental exam. <laughs> totally is dude. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no, Maddie is physical y'all like this bitch is physical, but like, honestly, I wish sometimes like maybe instead of like beating my ass, you would like touch my hair or something. <laughs> Next time I'll give you a little back massage. Well, I did sleep with your ass all weekend. Ass yeah, to ass. You, you, <laughs> ass to ass. Ass to ass. Literally. I we were kind of doing like the um the lean and sway. It was like <laughs> someone would lean and then I'd lean into it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like this cohesive push and pull. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about? It's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it's great times, dude. Oh, my God. Well, I have to wrap up this week's episode because I still have to record this. It comes out at midnight, so I'm a little bit fucking panicked. It's 830. We've been recording now for Jesus Christ. How long should I just do no edits? I feel like this episode doesn't really need edits. No edits. I should put that in the title as clickbait. No edits. Uh Offensive. Offensive. Trigger warning. <laughs> you do got to put a trigger warning. I oh yeah, fuck! I forgot. Okay, I will. I will put the trigger warning in the beginning. Sorry, y'all, that we didn't warn you. Well, there will be a warning by this point. You, you've listened enough. There will be a warning right at the beginning. Um, but yeah. Anyways, love you guys. Y'all rock. All of those who have like been in the dms and just spreading the word and spreading the love we see you we appreciate you as always please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the show it does help us spread our message more everything that maddie touched on y'all if this is something you're passionate about it does help so if you want more people to hear about this if you want more people to care like rate review subscribe follow this that and the other tap the bell um the bells for youtube but <laughs> you get the point anyways y'all keep the blue side up and the brown side down <laughs>